Welcome to episode 94 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Diana and Alice. They used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Diana and Alice, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. How do you feed your spirit? Do you struggle with prayer and meditation? What does it mean to be spiritual? Today we're going to talk about spiritual practice. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, I will share my own experiences as they relate to the topic of spiritual practice. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I will be your host today. The first segment of today's episode of The Recovery Show will be a discussion of the topic of spiritual practice. Following a short break, we'll talk about my life in recovery, about what's happening in my meetings and in my life, and how I practice these principles in all my affairs. Follow that with your email or voice contributions and some brief news about the podcast before closing. I do have a reading. This is from the Al-Anon Daily Reader, Hope for Today, page 37. I have realized since coming into Al-Anon that to have a peaceful existence, I need to be in a relationship with the God of my understanding. For me, there is a big difference between simply acknowledging the presence of God in my life and truly finding a spiritual connection. Step 11 suggests I seek this deeper connection through prayer and meditation. When I discipline myself to observe some type of prayer and meditation, my day goes more smoothly and feels richer, more meaningful. No longer half asleep to the wonders around me, I become aware that each moment fairly vibrates with the possibility of healing and wonderment. I like to tape step 11 even further by engaging in a daily running dialogue with my higher power, much as I would with my best friend. Sometimes this conversation is silent. Sometimes I talk out loud or write in my journal. In any case, I bring all of me, uncensored, to the relationship. Rather than being formal, my communication with him is spontaneous and authentic. I'm just as likely to curse God out of anger, believing he understands my anguish just as an accepting parent would, as to praise him out of awe and gratitude. I can tell him that although I don't always like his will, I will defer to it. It just might take me a little while. I can cry my heart out to God knowing my wordless sobbing somehow creates a prayer of its own. I can also celebrate with him in joy and playful laughter as I rediscover parts of myself that I thought were gone forever. I liked that reading. It it outlines several different uh, practices that this person uh, uses to get in touch with something greater than themselves, to connect themselves, to connect their spirit to something outside of themselves uh, and to find uh, a center of uh, serenity and and happiness and joy. Um, and uh, it's not just prayer and meditation. I particularly like the, the bit about uh, speaking angrily to his or her higher power, uh, believing that that higher power loves them and understands them just as a, as a loving parent would. That's a nice, a nice image. I picked this topic uh, because last weekend I spent uh, two days, two nights, uh, with a group of adults and teens exploring 
how we worship, how we bring spiritual practices into our lives. And we started out our sessions by talking about what we have as spiritual practices currently. And it was really interesting as we went around the circle to hear a variety of of different uh, things that people did that they considered a spiritual practice, uh, ranging from you know the traditional prayer, meditation, creating an altar, uh, being out in nature, uh, practicing gratitude, and so on. And and uh, I started to think about that. And as we went on through the weekend, and learned more about the the ways in which we connect with our spirit, and in particular, um, this uh, this workshop was about learning to create different kinds of worship for different purposes and for different groups and the components of worship. And, and then we broke up into smaller groups. Each group created a 20 minute uh, worship service and presented it to presented is not the word I want here, um, but did it uh, with the group as a whole. And then we talked about uh, what worked well, what didn't work well, what moved us, in each of those services and you know they were all very different it was it was fascinating and inspiring and uplifting and so as i was uh, driving home i thought well this is what i need to talk about for the podcast and it took me a couple days to sort of <laughs> regain my physical energy uh, you know these workshops take place in a in a church and i'm sleeping on a floor and not um, not getting enough sleep, not getting enough uh, refreshing sleep. And so when I get home, I'm pretty tired. And and uh, Sunday was very clear. I was not going to have the energy and time to uh, to do the podcast. And then uh, anyway, I'm doing it now. Uh, sorry for being a little bit late, but that's what happened. So what what is a spiritual practice? I mean, that was the first sort of the first question. What is a spiritual practice? And um and I guess to me that's that can be any one of, of lots of different things, but it's something that brings me into closer communication with something greater than myself or brings me into closer communication with my own spirit that that which is inside me that on a you know, sort of in daily life I often am so caught up in just the mechanics of living and working and eating and and playing that I don't really listen to that voice inside me. I don't really talk to that part of me, which is more than just what I do. I'm caught up in doing and I sort of forget about being. And so a spiritual practice then is something that brings me back in touch with being rather than with doing. Um, and I'm sure that that each of you, that you have your own definition, your own thoughts, your own ideas about what for you is a spiritual practice. And I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear from you what your spiritual practices are and what you gain from those practices uh, and and how you see them, uh, you know, improving, uh, impacting, uh, supporting your living. So please, uh, please call us at 734-707-8795. Or email feedback at therecoveryshow.com and let let us know what your spiritual practices are and how how they feed you. 
So what is the, I guess, you know, the sort of question of what a spiritual practice is, is really tied up with, with why do we do it? What's the purpose? What's the goal? Sounds very analytical for something that is so not analytical most of the time, but if I'm going to talk about it, I have to think about how to, how to structure my discussion, I guess. So what's the purpose of a spiritual practice? Well, I talked about uh, a couple of different purposes, connecting with something greater than myself, whether I call that something God, uh, whether I call that something the universe, whether that something is just the glory of nature or the the smallness of nature uh, as it surrounds me. It might be um, a piece of art that that somebody has created. It might be music. I'm connecting with something outside myself and something that is in a very real sense, greater than myself. It's also uh, connecting with that, which is inside me, uh, connecting with my, my soul or my spirit, uh, whatever of those words you, you choose to use connecting, as I said, with that part of me that is about being rather than about doing because I spend so much of my time doing and I spend so much of my time in, in that part of me that is just about doing, doing work, doing family, doing dishes, uh, doing food, uh, and, and a lot less time connecting with the part of me that is about who I really am and why I am and maybe to some extent why I do the things I do. One of the facilitators of our workshop talked about a spiritual practice as a centering practice. And I think by that, uh, she meant bringing my spirit back to the center of me so that I'm, uh, I'm in balance uh, spiritually, that, that I'm not. When I start to get frantic, when I start to get angry, when I start to get fearful, I'm I'm off balance, and when I'm off balance, it's harder for me to deal with everything around me. It's hard for me harder for me to deal with the 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 slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, as Hamlet would have it. It's harder for me to deal with the small things in daily life, uh, the little annoyances, the things out of place, the um, you know Kleenex that uh, is not in the trash. It's harder for me to deal with those things. They bother me more. And if I can get back to center, I can take those things more in stride. I can take those things without it it pushing me further off balance, without it getting me further upset, without falling into um, you know frustration or despair. So spiritual practice is really important for me to be able to live my life with ease and grace and without with, with minimal uh, negative feelings, I guess is, is a way to put it. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons that we so often recommend or hear recommended to us that we should have a spiritual practice in the morning. Um, you know, the, the big book states this most clearly when it talks about when you wake up in the morning, you do the following things. And I don't have the big book right in front of me, so I can't give it to you word for word. Um, And it also talks about before we go to bed at night, we do the following things. Uh, Because again, if, if I can bring myself more back to center before I fall asleep, um, I will, in my experience, I will have a better sleep. I will sleep better. I will have less weird dreams. I'm 
probably wake up less frequently uh, during the night. And this is just my experience. I can't really, you know, I can't prove it. I haven't done a, a controlled experiment where some nights I, I find myself in the same sort of mood both nights. And, and one night I maybe do a gratitude list, uh, maybe read some literature before I go to bed. And another night I don't. And then I, I count the number of times I wake up. I count the, the number of weird dreams I have or whatever it might be. I, I you know. I, that's not something that's really possible for me to do. So, but my my experience is that, uh, generally speaking, I believe that I have a better sleep when I reconnect with my spirit, when I recenter myself before I go to sleep, and I have a better day when I do that before I really get going for the day. Uh, one of my sponsors uh, asked me when. I got up in the morning, I should text uh, something I'm grateful for that day, which of course forced me to think about something I was grateful for that day. And that was a, that was a helpful practice for me. Uh, I no longer have that sponsor and I'm no longer doing the texting. And so I often forget to think about what am I grateful for today? Yeah. So of course the, uh, our 12 steps suggest uh, fairly strongly, uh, a couple of spiritual practices. Uh, we find that in step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with the God of our understanding. And I think there are other practices that actually appear in the steps, but we may not see them as as such. We may not see them as spiritual practices. One of those for me, a very important one of those for me, is inventory. That if I continue to take my inventory, step 10, uh, and then that helps me to stay centered. That helps me to, um, perhaps on a more intellectual level, it helps me to recognize the things that are pushing me off balance. And it helps me to, when I recognize that, then I can uh, do what, what practice I need to, uh, to help to bring me back into balance with, with those things. It helps me to find the places, the times when perhaps I hurt another person in some way. And then when I do that, I have, um, you know, an, a sort of an awkward feeling when I'm around them. I have a feeling of incompletion that there's something that, that needs to be fixed, or maybe I just uh, try to avoid them. And that, that makes me off balance. And this may be not happening at a conscious level sometimes. And so when I do inventory, um, I can bring these things to the surface and then I can, uh, you know, deal with them. I can deal with them through um, making amends or I can deal with them through redoing step six and seven if if they illustrate a character defect that I'm still carrying, that I'm still, uh, if we say, enjoying. And I can, uh, you know, do step five. And step five, uh, admitted to ourselves, to God and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs, is a huge spiritual practice for me. That it, it helps me to own who I am. And when I own who I am, it's a lot easier for me to be in balance. It's a lot easier for me to be centered and serene. So those are some of the other spiritual practices that I find in the steps and, and actually uh, becoming entirely ready to have God remove a defective character is also uh, in a way a spiritual practice, although it doesn't really suggest the how it just uh, suggests the, the desired outcome. Um, 
we talk about prayer and meditation, and you know, I, as I've, I think I've said before in the podcast, I still sort of struggle with the notion of prayer. Um, the God of my understanding is not so much um, to use uh, some theological language an intercessory God. Uh, it's not a God who who comes down and and changes things in the world. It's not. Um, and I forget who I got this quote from, is not a God who violates the laws of physics. My God is a loving God who sees more than I do, who knows more than I do, uh, and will give me guidance as to the way that I can live my life to achieve uh, the best effect for me. And so prayer for me is not... Um, the sort of uh, prayer that I thought was what prayer was about when I grew up, which is, you know, God, please change this thing in the world. Uh, prayer for me is about um, getting in contact with myself, getting in contact with this um, God of my understanding, which is not um, a distinct being in in my current understanding. Um, God, uh, prayer is about focusing focusing my thought, focusing my spirit on um, something for which I am grateful, focusing my spirit on something uh, in me where I wish for change, uh, or focusing on a question that I am struggling with, that I need an answer to, and and focusing not in an intellectual, thoughtful way, but, but just sort of bringing it to the front and holding it there. Uh, you know, if I'm struggling with, with a question or with something that's happening in my life, I can bring it to the front and I can say, please, um, I need help with this. Um, and then to understand that that help will come if I'm open to it. And so prayer opens me to receive help. Prayer opens me to receive understanding. Meditation in our program, uh, we often hear that meditation is listening to God. Meditation is, for me, is sort of the opposite of prayer in that I'm still opening my mind and my spirit and my soul, but I'm not focusing. I'm, I'm sort of defocusing. I'm, I'm trying to let go of the, the busyness of my mind so that, so that I'm open to, to hearing uh, the voice of my higher power, which maybe the voice of my higher power is coming from my subconscious mind that's been trying to ra- raise something up to me. It's coming from my intuition, which has been trying to raise something up to me, but I've been so busy doing that I'm not listening. So meditation for me is about sort of clearing out the clutter in in my mind and my spirit and and opening up to hear what God, the universe my intuition, whatever it might be, has to say to me. Um, both of those are, I think, best practiced in in quiet. I want to raise up again uh, a book that I really love uh, about prayer because it makes it so simple. It's called Help, Thanks, Wow, The Three Essential Prayers, and it's, it's by Anne Lamott, who's uh, one of my favorite writers on, on spiritual topics. Um, She's very, very straightforward, conversational, down to earth. Um, I don't know exactly how to put it, but but I love the way she writes. So three prayers: help, 
that's that's the one that um, we all have been using. I think uh, certainly one that that I used a lot even before I came into an understanding of what prayer is for me. Help! I I can't do this. I need help. Um, you know, simple one word prayer. Um, thanks, expression of gratitude, and whether or not we believe that God has has brought things into our life, that God has changed things in our lives. Um, we can be grateful. I can be grateful for what is. Uh, there are many things in my life that I'm grateful for. And just cultivating that attitude of gratitude is in itself a spiritual practice. Uh, and, and being able to say, um, I am grateful for the house I live in. I'm grateful for my dog who loves me and lets me pet him when I need to to have that that comfort. Um, I'm grateful for the people in my life. You know, I'm grateful for a lot of big things and a lot of little things. And and when I express that gratitude out loud, explicitly, um, it it helps to bring me back to center. It's a spiritual practice. And the third the third prayer, wow, is an expression of of awe at at what is in the universe, maybe what is in my life. Uh, wow, my life is really great right now. Or maybe, wow, that flower is really beautiful. Or when I was driving, uh, I was driving uh, down to the um, the workshop at, that I was at last weekend. I was driving right around the end of the day uh, and uh, had a, another person in the car with me. And he was looking out the window at the sky and the sky was just doing really amazing things. There was, there was beautiful blue uh, on the side of the sky away from uh, the setting sun. There were a lot of clouds on the horizon, so it wasn't a really colorful sunset, but there was, there was all these gradations of color from blue to gold to purple with gray clouds surrounded by brilliant halos of of orange and yellow and gold uh, and and uh, my passenger uh, my young passenger was was just exclaiming and uh, in you know in the sort of language that uh, that that teenage boys tend to use uh, at the beauty of what was out there and uh, you know saying that it was effing awesome and and trying to take pictures to capture it and and sort of not succeeding, but then when we got, uh, actually, I think he at some point his uh, along that way his his mother called him just to see how things were going, uh, and and he was telling her how amazing it was, and this you know this expression of awe, this expression of the beauty, the amazingness of the world that we live in, is a form of prayer. Uh, so what what other spiritual practices do I have or um, might I practice? Uh, and and again, uh, please, I, I encourage you to send us a short note to feedback at therecoveryshow.com or call our phone number 734-707-8795 or use the voicemail button on the website to, to tell us about your spiritual practices. Uh, and help us to uh, to enrich this uh, enrich this show with with your contributions. But some of the other spiritual practices that I have or have had in the past, 
Uh, a big one for me is is being in nature. Uh, and that can be as simple as uh, sitting outside in my backyard on my deck and just looking at the greenness of the grass and the trees. And maybe there's some flowers or maybe there's some fruit. Uh, maybe there's a squirrel. Maybe there's some birds. Watching birds is... is uh, is a way of, you know, it takes me out of the doing and into the being, um, I think. And it, and it lets me be sort of connected to the largeness of life around me. Um, I spent some years living in, uh, in Utah, the state of Utah in, 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 in the U.S. And Utah has mountains and it has deserts. Uh, and it has some, you know, some other scenery as well. But uh, both of those uh, are places where I can feel awe and I can feel connected to something immensely larger than myself. Um, I can feel the smallness of myself, but that I am still, I am still there. Uh, it's not like a losing myself. It's just a, um, immersing me in the immensity of the things around me that I am in some way connected to. You know, standing up on top of. Um, a rock formation in the middle of the desert and, and, you know, feeling the wind, hearing the wind, um, seeing for miles and miles and miles uh, through the clear desert air and, and just understanding that the, the world is, the world is a huge place and that it is full of, of beauty and amazement. You know, I, I can't really describe the experience, uh, but it, it's something that really, even before, uh, as I say, even before I came to any real notion of, of God was something that uh, definitely connected to me to, to something larger than myself and, and took me out of myself and out of my doing and into being. Um, similarly, being, being on top of a mountain or being at the bottom of a mountain and, 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 and looking up. Um, being in a quiet woods on a summer day, um, being out in the middle of uh, sort of the nowhere, in the middle of the winter, cross-country skiing, um, and the hush, the snow absorbs all the sounds, and it can be so quiet, so hushed. Uh, something that, especially in modern life, I don't get. Uh, it's really hard to find a quiet place in a really quiet place. Even, even right now I'm sitting in, in a quiet room recording this thing and uh, I can hear out the window sort of the buzz of, of an airplane or something uh, or traffic. I'm not sure exactly what, you know, it's quiet, but it's not so quiet as, as I find sometimes in nature. So being in nature for me is a huge spiritual experience, and it's one that I can do in small. I can go for a walk in the woods. I can do in large by going climbing to the top of a mountain. Um, attitude of gratitude is uh, is another spiritual practice, and it's one that has really been uh, often of great great help to me. Uh, the uh, I, I think my my common example of that. And the one where I've practiced it the most is when I'm having trouble getting to sleep at night, when thoughts are just swirling around in my head that, you know, some situation in my life that uh, is not resolving, uh, or that I'm afraid will not resolve, or that I'm afraid will, will, you know, go cause, cause 
a lot of pain in in my life. Uh, you know, fear. Uh, when I'm when I'm sitting in those things at, 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 and trying to go to sleep, uh, doing um, doing a gratitude list, thinking about you know five things I'm grateful for, or doing the alphabet. Um, I've used that alphabet gratitude list tool many times. You know, I am grateful that we have such an abundance of apples uh, in Michigan. I am uh, grateful for something starting with B um, that I can't think. I'm grateful for babies because uh, they're new life, and and I, I love especially other people's babies. Um, I don't want any more of my own, but I did love my own when I had them. Um, you know, I'm grateful for crayons that we can use to, to draw colorful pictures with and so on. And what I found when I, when I would do an alphabetical gratitude list, I would never get all the way to the end of the alphabet before I went to sleep. And usually my sleep would be, um, very good. Um, so expressing gratitude explicitly uh, has been a, a strong spiritual practice for me. A really simple, really simple, this is one of the examples I used when we were asked in the workshop, you know, what, what are your spiritual practices? And for me, the sort of deep cleansing breath can be uh, a spiritual practice that helps to bring me out of whatever squirrel cage is running in my mind, whatever fear or anxiety I'm sitting in and, and bring me a little bit more back to center. Just taking, taking in a breath and letting it out slowly and feeling, intentionally feeling my stress and my tension go out with that breath. Just kind of sort of the <sighs> kind of breath. Just, wow, you know, just doing that. I feel a little bit lighter. I feel a little bit more centered. Um, give it a try. It's so simple. You can do it anywhere, anytime, and nobody will look at you weird, you know? It's it's great. You know, if you if you sort of fall down on your knees and pray in, in the middle of public, people will look at you like, what are you doing? But taking a deep breath, you know, breathe in God, breathe out self. Uh, whatever, you know, however you want to express that um, can be a really helpful thing for me. I know that. So give it a try. Uh, other other practices, um, I love singing. I'm not really good at it. Uh, so listening to music, singing along with music, singing with other people. Um, during the, I mean, all of, all of the worships that we created over the weekend had some song in them because song is an important part of spiritual practice for many of us. It's an important part of worship. Um, it engages, uh, if, if you want to get psychological, it engages different parts of our brain than just words. Um, and in the, in the, um, the worship that my group created, um, we, we ended with a song and I started leading the song. Uh, we didn't have any, you know, piano or anything there. So it was all Acapella, which is scary for me. I, I have a good sense of tone, but definitely not perfect. Uh, and so to, to start singing out loud in front of a group of people, is it takes me out of my comfort zone. But I started singing and, and everybody joined in because it was a hymn most, of a, uh, most people were familiar with already. And standing there with, um, 
you know, facing a, facing 20 people with them, me singing to them and them singing to me was, was, uh, it was an amazing feel of, of connection, um, of the, I don't know, the power of love and, and I guess God, um, it just, it was an experience unlike any other that, that I've had recently. And, um, yeah. Uh, so, so song, song is, it can be a spiritual practice dance. Uh, it's not something I do, but it's something that, that several of the people in, in our group expressed that, um, when they dance, they, they, they come out of themselves and, and, uh, and connect with, with something higher, uh, connect with the universe, connect with the spirit of God. Uh, so I can't, I can't really say much more about that. It's not one that I, that I do. Um, sometimes walking and running can be spiritual. Uh, if you, if you, you know, when actually, I mean, when I go to the gym and run, you know, it, I can't really do anything else. Um, and so I can get into sort of a meditative state while I'm running, uh, that, uh, uh, is somehow enhanced um, by the exercise. Uh, it's uh, it's something that that I haven't experienced a lot because um, I'm still working on on my exercise practice. But uh, it is something that I have noticed, and and I think uh, I've heard other people talk about sort of the Zen state, if you will, that that, that sometimes they get into while they're running. Um, another practice that a lot of people follow is journaling. Uh, that actually taking what's in my head um, and committing it to paper uh, can help to get it out of my head, can help to um, clarify thought, can help to bring me back to center. Um, Sometimes when I write something down, I see how silly it is to be so worried about it. Sometimes when I write something down, I realize that it's a lot more important than I thought it was before I wrote it. Uh, journaling is not a practice that I do a lot of. I've done it some, um, but it it is one that I know is very important for a lot of people. So, you know, if that's one of your practices, again, uh, you know, drop us drop an email or a voicemail and and tell us uh, what how journaling works as a spiritual practice in your life. Uh, you know, I think there there are a lot of other examples, and and as uh, maybe as you're listening, you've thought of some. Um, that, uh, that I didn't talk about that are, that are in your life. But the important thing for me, bringing it back to the beginning, you know, what is a spiritual practice and why do I do it? And I do it because it makes me a better person. It makes me, that sounds so analytical. It, it, it helps me to stay in balance. It helps me to be the person that I am it helps me to be rather than do, um, and you know it. It brings me out of myself. It brings me into contact with my higher power. Uh, it makes me open to listening. It makes me open to receiving and understanding the will of my higher power. Which, again, coming back to the steps in step eleven, sought through prayer and meditation. To improve our conscious contact with the God of our understanding, praying only for knowledge of God's will and the power to carry that out. And if I don't ask, and if I don't then 
open myself to the answer. I am not going to understand what my higher power wants for me, and I'm not going to have the power to carry that out. And so the spiritual practice in the context of the steps is essential. But even outside the context of the steps, uh, spiritual practice is really essential for me to live a full life, a balanced life, a life with serenity and joy, um, a life where I can connect with the the people around me and I can connect with the world around me. The um, closing reading is today's reminder, also from page 37 in uh, Hope for Today, Daily Reader. When I invite God into my life through prayer, meditation, and conversation, I open myself to infinite possibilities. After a short break, I'll continue with my life in recovery, where I talk about how I practice these principles in all my affairs. My first musical selection, uh, which you can listen to on the website at therecoveryshow.com slash 94. The song is Landslide by Fleetwood Mac. And this came from uh, um, our music suggestions page on the website. Laura said, Landside by Fleetwood Mac. I met with my sponsor tonight to work on my step two. Answering the questions and paths to recover was very illuminating for me. We discussed my great aversion to change. It literally terrifies me. I walked out of the coffee shop and got in my car, turned on the radio, and the part of the song that starts with, well, I've been afraid of changing because I've built my life around you, was playing. My breath caught in my throat. It was truly a higher power moment. And then Barbara responded also on the website, Laura, this happens to me all the time. I've always thought that my higher power speaks to me through music, but maybe it's just a reception thing and he's glad I'm listening at all. When people say, I like that song, but never listen to the words, well, I just do not get that at all. And some more from Landside, Oh, mirror in the sky, what is love? Can the child within my heart rise above? And can I sail through the changing ocean tides? Can I handle the seasons of my life? Oh, oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. The blessings of growth in our program of recovery are measureless while on this planet. Seasons change. Situations change. Getting skills to deal with that on the most basic level are priceless. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, what's happening in our meetings and in our lives this week. And uh, so thinking about my week, um, I, uh, I went to a, my meeting on Wednesday night, and it was the first Wednesday of the month. So um, uh, in that meeting, the first Wednesday of the month, uh, somebody gives a first step talk for about 30 minutes, talking about you know what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Uh, the person who led was was one that I have heard their story before, but of course, the interesting thing is that that this time it was very different. It was you know it was the same story, but but the feelings expressed, the emotions, the the situations, the uh, were 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 different. Um, and it, I love hearing. You know that sort of the the first step story. It's uh, because it's it gives a for me you know an affirmation of of what the program is is about and how we find recovery in the program. Um, you know, this person talked about uh, reconnecting with a parent, uh, 
before that parent died and, and being able to be at total peace uh, when they passed because, uh, you know, there was nothing left between them that needed to be resolved. Um, and, uh, you know, this was a parent that they had had been um, one of the, uh, as we sometimes say, qualifiers in, in their life for uh, as an alcoholic uh, and I think a fairly rageful parent, but that after coming into the program, they were able to, um, you know, really connect back with this person and, and resolve those resentments and those fears from their childhood um, and be at peace. And, you know, that's such a wonderful message to hear. I, uh, uh, missed missed my Saturday meeting because I was at the um, spirituality workshop that I went to over the weekend. Uh, although there was certainly a lot of um, spiritual practice there that uh, you know was maybe not twelve step focused, but uh, you know it was interesting. Um, you know, God working in my life, I guess. Uh, we had been invited to bring something special with us, something that we connect with to uh, to place on a. a a jointly created altar, which, by the way, is another spiritual practice I forgot to talk about. Um, creating an altar uh, uh, of things that connect you with the divine, things that connect you with experiences in your life, uh, whatever those might be, things that are special to you, so that you can you can look at that altar and and be brought back into connection um, with the important things in your life. Anyway, so we were creating an altar. We'd been invited to bring something, and and. Several people uh, had things that were important to them and, and talked about why they were important and why they had brought them for the alternate. And I started out thinking, I have nothing. I have nothing. And then I remembered that I always carry with me uh, my anniversary token. Uh, it's, it's always in my coin purse so that whenever I pull it out to make change, um, I see it. You know, it's one of these tokens that has a serenity prayer on it. And, and so I placed that on the altar and I talked about um, receiving that on the the 11th anniversary of my uh, surrender to the understanding that I was powerless over the people uh, people and events in my life. Um, and a little bit later, uh, after we had had broken for we had taken a, we were taking a break and somebody else came up to me and said, um, "I'm in the program too." And we were able to connect on that and um, that, I don't know, it was just, it was, um, you know, like I said, it was God working in my life um, to connect me to another person in a, in a, in a new way. Um, yeah, Sunday night meeting, I went into the meeting with a question coming out of the weekend, a question about, um, you know, connecting spiritually about spiritual practice. And, and so I found a reading in Courage to Change, and I'm, I'm sorry to say I don't remember what the reading is right now. Um, and uh, we used that as the, uh, the opening for, for our table. And, um, you know, I heard a lot of people talk about the different ways in which um, they connect with God. And that was very helpful to me. So opening myself up and listening. Yeah, spiritual practice there. Um, so, uh, other, going on in, in my life outside of meetings, um, you know, is continuing to uh, continuing to support my wife as she's recovering from her surgery, continuing 
you know, sort of coming to a better understanding of, of uh, you know, how this is going to change our lives. And uh, coming to more peace with it, I think, really. I know I expressed last week, uh, you know, sort of my my questions, my questioning of, you know, was this a good thing? Um, and uh, and how did I feel about it? And, and, you know, I'm coming to more peace with it. And I think that's, you know, my higher power working to uh, to bring me to center, to bring me to serenity. And, uh, yeah, so that was about it. Uh, otherwise, um, work, we had a, um, some interesting discussion at work about um, the it, sort of the, the sprint, uh, if you will, that we've done over the last uh, couple of months to, uh, to reach a goal and sort of um, doing an inventory, really. I mean, doing an inventory of uh, what, what we did and um, breaking that, those things down into three categories of, of things we want to, you know, we were looking at how we worked together, not what was the work we did, but how did we work together and, and um, looking at things that we want to keep on doing that, that were good, that worked well, um, that helped us get our work done, effect, get our work done effectively. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe with, without burnout, because it was a, it was a, a, a push. Um, we looked at things that we want to stop doing, uh, things that didn't work well, um, and that maybe caused problems or tensions. Uh, and we also uh, thought about things we might want to start doing based on on that experience. And so, um, you know, very much a, a sort, of, sort of a shared step four, five, six, seven, if you will, about uh, uh, how we worked together and how we want to continue to, to work together. Um, so that that's you know it's interesting. I mean we can we can take these these take these steps and and use them in many different ways, whether we're actually aware of that's that that's what we're doing or not. So, topic next week will be tradition eleven with Ruth. Uh, we welcome your thoughts. Uh, you can join the conversation. And uh, tradition eleven is about anonymity, and says. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, TV, and films. We need guard with special care the anonymity of all AA members. Uh, so uh, come back next week for, for that topic. Uh, if you have thoughts about Tradition 11, about how... Uh, tradition level applies in your program or how you use that tradition uh, in your daily life outside of uh, the Al-Anon groups. Uh, love to hear from you. You can uh, call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. That's right. You can call right now. Just uh, pause the podcast and give us a call. 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. And if you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at com. We'd love to hear from you, share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic of spiritual practice or next week's topic of Tradition 11. If you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know. And, uh, of course, our website is therecoveryshow.com, and it has all the information that you need about the show. If you're referring a friend to The Recovery Show, just send them to therecoveryshow.com. 
We have uh, notes for each episode. We have a blog. We have links to the music we play. There's uh, a couple of buttons that you can use to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or uh, in uh, uh, other podcast uh, podcatcher applications, maybe on your phone. Um, there's a link at the top of the page uh, labeled How to Listen that has some uh, some hopefully useful information, particularly if you're not using uh, an Apple device, about uh, how you can how you can subscribe to the podcast and get it automatically downloaded to your phone every week. Um, we also, uh, like I said, we have links to the music that we talk about uh, and. Uh, um, Sometimes uh, occasional meditations also posted on the website. If you'd like to join our conversation, uh, consider being a guest host. Uh, just uh, contact us at feedback at com, and uh, and we can uh, talk about how we're gonna how we're gonna do that and what topics you'd be interested in uh, in guesting for. So let's take a short break before uh, diving into the mailbag. We had a lot of mail this week. And the second musical selection that I picked for this show, also available on the website, is uh, by Depeche Mode. The song is Enjoy the Silence. I think we used this song in another episode, sort of focusing on a different aspect of the song for me. Um, I, I just picked the song partly because I like it, uh, partly because uh, silence is a big part of, of many of the spiritual practices that I enjoy, because... Silence gets me away from the distractions um, and the cares of uh, the doing world and, and allows me more easily to be rather than to do. As I said, and a, a large number of emails this week. We'll start with one from Jeff uh, and several about the Not God episode. Uh, Jeff says, just listen to episode 92, which is the one about Not God. It's a nice work. No coincidences? Pretty sure it's my higher power. Sometimes it shows up with great um, potency. How long will it take me to let go, let God completely? How wonderful that would be. Thanks again for the show, Jeff. And, uh, and thank you for that, Jeff. Thank you for those thoughts. Uh, and a voicemail from Emily, also about... The Not God episode. Hi, Spencer and other recovery show people. Uh, my name is Emily, and I am in California. A uh, very grateful member of Al-Anon. Been in the program for a little over two years now, and um, I just finished listening to the Not God episode. And uh, I've been meaning to call you guys or email or contact you somehow to, for one, express my gratitude that you guys do this, that you make it happen. Um, I drive a lot, and so it's really beneficial for me to have recovery on the go. Um, the Not God episode is really great for me to hear today, um, especially after the Triggers episode. I remember in the Triggers episode, um, Akila was making comments uh, something along the lines of, of she felt that what triggered her the most is something other people is sometimes something that she struggles with in herself, and I can absolutely relate to that. Um, my mom definitely can be very controlling and overbearing, and I get so frustrated with that. And when I really, uh, you know, get down to what, what's underneath that, it is that that's kind of a shortcoming that I feel that I have also, and that I really don't like in myself because um, 
you know, it doesn't really end up helping me or the people around me. I really get to be in more trouble, actually. Um, so I'm so thankful for this program, thankful that you guys do these episodes on such a variety of topics. Um, I love the co-hosts. I really appreciate what you have to say, Spencer, and um, just wanted to express my gratitude and, and say that it really makes a difference in my life that you guys have this show. So thanks a lot, and um, keep coming back. <laughs> Thanks, Emily. Uh, Julia sent uh, an email also about the Not God episode. She says, Hi, Spencer. Firstly, I commend you for being a supportive husband and father, especially after hearing about what you said about your child's struggles with gender identity. I know it must be hard to think about changes that could possibly mean that they are hurt, but I can tell you that it's their decision and they have obviously been going over this for a while. The fact that they trust you well enough to go to you about a subject that is still so misunderstood in the general public means that you have done well to be that support for them. And with your wife's surgery, it seems that you have accepted her decision and are doing what you can to help her in her time of need. Even though you got sick, that doesn't necessarily mean you haven't taken care of yourself. Our immune systems are not ironclad. A few things came to mind when listening to the podcast episode about not being God. The concept of responsibilities has been coming up for me a lot after I slid into a responsibility spiral in my head these last few weeks. There are a lot of things going on in my life externally. My best friends possibly getting divorced, with alcoholism being a possible factor. Me having to put my young cat down unexpectedly. Playing my first solo shows. Having my first dates ever. My sister coming with me to a meeting. My alcoholic ex-boyfriend harassing my friends and more, all in the last few weeks. Without having much contact with my sponsor or anyone else in the program, my thoughts started to become pretty obsessive. Part of it is the newness of all of this, especially dating. I like the person I've been on a date with, but since I'm curious about my sexuality, I'm worried that somehow it's my responsibility to let him know that immediately. After thinking about it, I know that that's not the case, and it's crazy for me to leap there. And I worry about what he thinks of me. I worry about what everyone thinks of me, but especially possible romantic interests. So I'm very self-conscious. It's not my problem. I think not my problem has to be a very consistent slogan for me, even if it's not Al-Anon specifically. I can support my friend and her issues with a possible divorce, but I have to know that it's not my problem. My ex has not harassed me, so until that happens, I need to recognize that my friends can speak and decide for themselves what to do. My sister was probably not ready for a meeting and didn't understand why the spouses didn't just get divorced, but it's not my job to make her understand. In times where these sorts of things are all overwhelming me, I have a tendency to isolate, but only by reaching out do I recognize that I am not my higher power and that other people can really help me if I ask. As soon as I talked to my sponsor about it, she reminded me that responsibilities are a big issue for me, taking on other people's shit while ignoring my own. I have found myself, once again, overcommitted and barely sleeping because my health has become less important than my social life. I haven't done any step work recently, but I know that these things are ones that I can control. I can't control what other people think of me. I shouldn't try, because if I am being true to myself, that's what matters. My sponsor reminded me of this and of the March 25th reading Encouraged to Change, which is such a nice cut-and-dry outline of responsibility. Another thing that kept popping into my head during the episode is the continued mention of helping people who don't ask for help versus helping people who do ask for it. 
Of course, that happens a lot in addictive relationships. But another thing is that we don't have to help when we are asked. At least, I needed to learn that because saying no was just not part of my life. I think it would be helpful to remind each other and ourselves of that too. An ask is not an obligation, and I don't need to explain why. Anyway, I hope that none of this was too confusing or personal. I feel like people in program are trustworthy, and that's why I chose to write all this. I love Dakila's participation on Triggers. She has some wonderful things to share. Keep up the good work when you can, and thanks for everything you do. Outreach is important. Talk to you later. Julia. One of my siblings, at least one of my siblings, listens to the show and wrote, I listened to your Not God podcast this week. You talked a lot about wanting to step in and help fix things, even when not asked. You know, we got a lot of that from our father. He would always step in and take over if he thought we were doing something wrong. And the wrong is in quotes. That's one main observation I had listening to the podcast. thought I'd share it. And, uh, and I think uh, that's a true statement. Uh, that is uh, definitely something I learned. Learned at my father's knee, if you will. Because he always had a very definite way, uh, idea of the right way to do things. And if we were doing it differently, then he had to fix it for us, you know? Yep. Um, okay, we had an email from Laura. This one, uh, more general, not, not just about the Not God episode. Laura writes, Spencer, hi, I just finished all of the episodes of The Recovery Show, and I want to tell you that your program has been very helpful to me. My relationship with my qualifier and all of the others in my life are improving. I just had an episode with my mother that I thought I would share. My mother has refused to call me for years, saying that she doesn't want to bother me and she waits on me to call her when I have the time. What this really means is that she has some invisible schedule that she is not willing to share with me, and it is up to me to figure it out. If I don't follow her schedule, she has no problem calling me to point out my failure. She called me last night and wanted to know what's going on because she hasn't heard anything from me. Zero. Zilch. In such a long time. She told me that I was getting as bad as my sister. No, actually worse than my sister. I was very defensive and told her that the phone works both ways and she could call me anytime she wanted to. She said, you know how I am. Well, I will let you go because you don't seem to be in a very good mood. I was so upset at her. The idea of her sitting there waiting for me to call, getting angrier and angrier at me for not calling her, and then masking her anger with sarcasm or whatever that was, just made me mad. This morning, I did some analysis on this situation. I had already been feeling a little guilty for not calling, so maybe I should plan to call on a regular basis. A fixed schedule, even if she's unaware of it, would help me do this. I also realized that I did not have to pick up the rope and engage in her fight. I allowed her statements to push me into beating myself up. This led me to lashing out, which led to more guilt. I could have calmly and nicely spoken to her, ignoring the cues to argue. I cannot change her attitude toward me, and I cannot change her behavior, so I need to find a way to live with it, a peaceful way that does not lead to grinding my teeth at night. I plan to apologize for my part in the episode and ignore hers. I can't take her inventory and move on. Progress, not perfection. I have to forgive myself even if she doesn't. I wonder if I will get to the point where this analysis can happen before I engage in the behavior. I guess I should be happy that it is happening at all. Pre-program, I would have harbored this negative feeling for days and not been able to figure out exactly why I felt this way. Now at least I have some tools for investigation. Thank you for your service in producing the podcast. You are helping spread the message to all of us out here who need it. Laura. And um, Laura, I'll just say that 
um, in my experience, uh, you you will get to that point. Uh, it it may take a while. Uh, it, for me, it de- definitely takes um, a lot of practice uh, to be able to uh, you know engage engage that gear before I open my mouth uh, rather than after. Um, but it it does get it does get easier. It does get more automatic. It's a habit of thought. Um, that it takes a while to develop. So, uh, uh, um, you know, you're making great progress and, uh, and keep on working it because you are worth it. Um, Ruth T. writes, Hi, Spencer. I listen to your podcast all of the time. I started listening about a year ago when things were at their worst with my alcoholic husband. I found your podcast in a moment of desperation while on a trip in northern Idaho where cell signals are not the best. In spite of that, I found the podcast. It was really a higher power thing. I was with my family, and I was in crisis with my husband. A year later, he has gone to rehab and been sober since January. Our life has improved dramatically, and our marriage has stayed intact. Real miracles have taken place in our family. In a recent podcast, you mentioned that you could use co-hosts. I would love to visit with you via Skype and volunteer my help. I have attended Al-Anon for a decade. It really is my lifeline. I've benefited so much from working the steps and going to meetings. I feel like I know you from all the podcasts that I've listened to. I so appreciate your openness and honesty with your story. It is great to hear your story and know that I am not alone. If I can help in any way, please don't hesitate to let me know. Thanks so much, Ruth T. And uh, so Ruth goes on the short list of people to to contact. um, And uh, I will be in touch with you, Ruth. Uh, uh, and I know I've said that a lot of times, and, and uh, you know, it's one of these uh, finding time in my life. Uh, what can I do uh, right now, and and what do I have to uh, to wait to do until I actually have the time? Um, but uh, yeah, okay. Cat uh, writes, "Hi, Spencer and guest hosts. Thank you for the wonderful podcast. It has accompanied me on many drives to and from work on my hour-long commute in the Colorado foothills." As an adult child of an alcoholic, I stumbled into Al-Anon about 12 years ago and and was immediately at home. I spent two years going to meetings and learning about the program, but never got a sponsor or worked the steps. In the meantime, life happened. I moved across town and drifted from my Al-Anon home group. So many of the slogans stuck with me and have helped me along the road, like, let go, let God, progress, not perfection. Now I see my son struggling with alcohol and drugs, and I know I must come back to the program if I want sanity and serenity. I want to wave a magic wand and take away his problems, his pain. Such an Al-Anon. But I can't. I know the three C's. I didn't cause it. Can't cure it. Can't control it. Thought that episode was great, by the way. Still, my son's behavior and actions trigger my codependent behaviors. Recently, I joined another 12-step program, got a sponsor, and I'm working the steps. Woo-hoo! I know that I'm on the right track. Just want to say thank you again for the podcast and for sharing your experience, strength, and hope. Great service with gratitude. Cat. And then she sent another message. Also wanted to make a song suggestion. Secrets by Mary Lambert. Love the idea that we can let go of the fear of what others think and our own thoughts, feelings, and without having to bury them hidden in shame and fear. Uh, thanks for that suggestion, Kat. Uh, I haven't listened to it yet, but uh, sounds like it uh, it will definitely fit somewhere. Had a brief uh, anonymous email with a question um, about a topic says, uh, hello, quick question, approval seeking and how to manage it. Has there been a past show? Thanks. And definitely that's not a topic that um, I think we have addressed directly. Uh, I, th- I know it's something that we have talked about in a number of episodes 
as it related to whatever the topic of that episode was. Uh, I can't pull any particular episodes out of my head, though. Uh, so that's going to go on the topic list. Sounds like a good one. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you have thoughts about how approval seeking is maybe part of your, what we call, I don't know, Al-Anon personality, um, and maybe how the program has helped you to, uh, to deal with that uh, particular uh, character trait, um, let us, uh, you know, send us feedback, call us and, uh, contribute to, uh, contribute to the show. Thanks. Let's see. Um, okay. So, you know, coming up, we have, um, in the U S we have the Thanksgiving holiday at the end of November. Um, that may have an impact on my, uh, ability to produce the podcast on time. Although this year we're not traveling at Thanksgiving, uh, in big part to, due to my wife's surgery. So I may actually have time that weekend to, to do the podcast. We'll see what happens. Um, it doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show. We do have expenses, which are running about $60 a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Diana and Alice did. And thank you again, Diana and Alice, for your support. We've put together a list of recovery-related books. Click on the books link at the top of the page. If you order one of these books from Amazon through our website, we will receive a small commission. In fact, anything you order from Amazon after clicking on one of the links will help us. It costs you nothing extra and helps to keep us on the air. And there's also a donate by shopping link uh, on the right-hand side of, of every page on the website that you can use. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, including just listening. We are here for you. Uh, the last uh, music selection that I want to talk about is by City and Color. The title of the song is Coming Home. And this was something that, uh, it was actually the first song that uh, my, uh, my young uh, passenger put on the, uh, the car stereo as we headed out uh, from our, our workshop over the weekend as we headed home. And it seemed very appropriate uh, because we were heading home. But I also saw this as um, a spiritual message about uh, sort of coming home to ourselves. The singer talks about all the different places that he has visited and and how he's coming home. And it just feels like, uh, you know, this feels like a spiritual message to me and that our practice, our spiritual practice can help bring us from all of the crazy places that our life takes us and bring us back to our home, which is our own center our own spirit. Thank you for listening and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.